It's been five days since school got out. The kids look like ragamuffins. My overdue library fees have spiked, and I've lost all control. I'm just kidding. My wife is still firmly in control, which is why we're on the way to a commercial shoot for one of her customers today. The kids are going to star in the commercial as tiny vermin in a pest control spot. So it's going to be true to life as they try to shoo away life's real pestilence. Kids. On the whole, making your kids better than your life was before is all of our dreams, but it seems the only ones really accomplishing this today are what Matthew Stewart from The Atlantic refers to as the new aristocracy here in America. And that's what I'd like to talk about as we also discuss American dreams, Red Sox, and Lars while we stop being reasonable and start joshing around. In the June issue of the left-leaning periodical The Atlantic on newsstands now, Matthew Stewart suggests that the inequality in America isn't caused from the 1% of Americans with all the wealth versus 99% of the rest of us. While it's true that 160,000 Americans control 22% of the wealth in this country, that's just 0.1% of Americans. And while they battle 90% of Americans on the bottom of that scale to take those large sums of wealth, it's the 9.9% near the top that's suggested to be the new aristocracy in this country. And the way that they're keeping strong is by doing best for their children to make sure that they stay right there in that same class they were born into. Before we shy away from the 160,000 people at the top, the folks with the yachts in Monaco harbors and the condos on Fisher Island, the people with the true power to sway elections to instead shine a light on the new aristocracy, allow me to say I saw it noted somewhere that tycoons are good for society in the fact that they push the envelope. And while it's true we have many a tycoon to thank for steam power, the combustion engine, and now the exploration of space and beyond. Tycoons make progress at the expense of others. Every economy of scale bears the weight of a human being because every redundancy is someone else's reality. That said, it's not a means of haves and have-nots. Instead, there's haves and have-a-lots, and then there's a lot of other folks that have needs and wants. In fact, since 1930, that top 0.1% has been battling with the bottom 90%, going back and forth with wealth equality, while that top 9.9% has just stayed holding 50-60% to 60 of Americans' wealth. And they do so using something called the intergenerational earnings elasticity. At least that's what economists call it. Now picture that you have a rubber band around your leg, and it's hooked to your parents' leg as well. And now you climb up the socioeconomic ladder, but if you happen to fall off, well, you're going to get tugged in the direction of your parents. If they're up, well, guess what? You're going to fall up, but if they're not, you've got a long way to fall down as that rubber band snaps you back to reality. The more I learn about intergenerational earnings elasticity, the more it terrifies me that I do the same job today that my father did some 25 years ago. Instead of finding my way into an aristocratic meritocracy, it seems I've fallen into a rut of mediocrity. However, it reminds me that my father used to have goals and ambitions before they were crushed by the weight of raising children. One of those was to be a stand-up comedian. I remember him reading a how-to book by comedian Richard Beltzer. When I asked him about it, he said, I think I'm funny enough. I've just never stayed determined enough to do it. So my task at hand is simple. I've got to stay focused and then be funnier than Richard Beltzer, which should be simple because if you don't know his career, he was on Law & Order SVU, which is the least funny Law & Order. 
When it comes to the new aristocracy here in America, Mr. Stewart says money is not the only measure of wealth, but instead there's non-financial forms as well that aren't simply perks of membership, but instead the definition of the class. He defines them as the five G's. The new aristocracy is a people of good family, good health, good schools, good neighborhoods, and good jobs. That's not to say the other 90% of us are living a waking nightmare. As I pointed out last week in the U.S. Economic Well-Being Survey, a rising tide essentially lifts all boats. It's just some of those are yachts while others are dinghies. When it comes to the American dream, though, this good old boy's still sleeping. Now, one piece of advice, if you're going to fall asleep with the TV on, be sure to set a sleep timer. Otherwise, streaming is the new dreaming. An unintended effect of rising inequality is that it's decreased the number of suitably wealthy mates for the new aristocracy, even as it's increased the reward for finding one and the penalty for failing to do so. Seemingly, the last time marriage partners sorted themselves by educational status as much as they do now was in the 1920s. An important reason for this is that 60 years ago, just 20% of the children born to parents with a high school education or less lived in a single-parent household. Now that figure is 70%. However, among college-educated households, the single-parent rate remains less than 10%. Startling because single-parenting is in turn the single most significant predictor of social immobility. Just another nod to Mike and Carol Brady showing that they were truly ahead of their time. There should be a dating app modeled after those two called Bunch Up that encourages single parents to cohabitate themselves out of a bad situation. When it comes to dating yourself into a higher class, we all know it's not right to be misogynistic anymore, unless it's with regards to the Kardashians. So I'm wondering if those or any other Instagram models with regard to their female form at one point turned to their stylist and said much like Roy Schneider from Jaws, we're going to need a bigger butt. All jokes aside, the physical differences of the classes here in America might be the most startling observation. For example, Obesity, diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, and liver disease are all two to three times more common in individuals who have a family income of less than $35,000 a year than in those who have a family income greater than $100,000. Among low-educated, middle-aged whites, the death rate in the United States increased in the first decade and a half of the 21st century. We're the only developed country in the world that can say that. When it comes to the new aristocracy, though, they signal their status by talking about their organically nourished bodies, the awe-inspiring feats of their offspring, and the ecological correctness of their neighborhoods. In fact, they truly are different in the same way that the 19th century English rich were different. They were a lot taller. In fact, a 16-year-old boy from the upper classes of England towered a remarkable 8.6 inches on average over their undernourished lower-class countrymen. Let that be a lesson to dodge that McGriddle on your way to a healthy breakfast each day and to exercise any way you see fit, much like you should dance like no one's watching. Don't feel judged while you're working out. Now, I don't mean to sound like Planet Fitness, but just go out and get it done. There's a lady in my town that walks the streets, wiggle jiggle footloose and fancy free, looking like the saggy baggy elephant. She swings her arms so high wearing this sports bra as she just looks like a fatty peep show walking down the road. But... She looks a whole lot better than she did a couple of years ago because she doesn't rightly care what anybody else thinks. As for me, who am I to judge? I've used a shower rod to tone my body. I've used Tony Little's ab isolator. Hell, I even do simulated sit-up standing up. Whatever it takes to keep us alive and maybe even looking good.
if only to ourselves. In addition to nutrition, education's another way we're being divided into two nations. Measured relative to the national median salary, tuition and fees at top colleges more than tripled from 1963 to 2013. Meanwhile, to support the growing aristocracy, 50 colleges are now as selective as Princeton was in 1980. In the words of Matthew Stewart, it's entirely possible to get a good education at the many schools that don't count as good in our brand-obsessed system, but the bad ones really are bad for you. They're places that look like college but aren't really. However, they have debt that, unfortunately, is very real. The people who enter this class hologram do not collect a college premium. Instead, they wind up in something more like indentured servitude. If it seems I continue to attack private for-profit colleges, it's only because I don't like to see people get sold a bill of goods they don't necessarily know what they're getting into. The most famous of private for-profit colleges would be the University of Phoenix, and while I don't have anything against the University of Phoenix per se, one of their commercials did ruin it for me when it comes to wearing red socks to work. With education in hand, the new aristocracy keeps their stranglehold on their position in life by focusing on four career tracks finance, management consulting, medicine, and law. When you look at it, it's actually the 9.9% that, that are the staff that runs the machine for those at the top. However, as the circle of joy near the top grows ever smaller, maybe that aristocracy will start to shrink as well. I'm not rooting for the downfall of society like Lars from Metallica rooted for the end of Napster in the late 90s. Even if I have to subscribe to a music streaming service, I just want to be sure that I get what I'm entitled to. And I feel the same way about healthcare. Sadly, the most recent agent of change when it comes to dismantling aristocracy and enabling equality for all is the death and destruction that comes with war. It was World War II that crippled capital enough to empower labor, most of all working women. And that's what gave us the equality for all that we knew in the 20th century. With that in mind, the most impressive revolutions, the ones that make lasting change, don't start at the bottom, but instead at the upper middle. So maybe if our American aristocracy stops doing the bidding of those uber-rich, if they stop crafting messages that tell us we should take selfies just to get used to the front-facing camera, if they stop putting their offspring first to instead put the best foot forward for us all, then we might break the chains of our masters yet. The goal in America should be more main streets and less gated communities. It's great that we're different. That's what defines us, though we shouldn't let it divide us. We all like to believe we come from a good family. Equality means having a good home, a good neighborhood, a good education, and good health to enjoy it all, no matter what those differences are. Thanks for listening, and the next time we tune in, I promise a whole lot more joshing around.